Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Uh, and we're back. We're back. Sorry about that two-week hiatus, but I'm Candace. Uh, I'm Tyler. Yes. Someone had to go on vacation. I did. I went on vacation, and it was so wonderful. So I went to Portland, Oregon. So if any of y'all from Portland, Oregon are listening, uh, it was a really great place. We... I went with a bunch of friends. We went to a sake bar called Zilla, and they had easily the best sake I've ever had in my life, <laughs> as well as some of the best sushi I've ever had in my life. Uh, the lobster maki roll might be the greatest thing I've ever eaten, ever. It was amazing. And we checked out the Japanese gardens out there, which were absolutely beautiful. If any of you ch uh, get any chance to go to Portland, Oregon, definitely take an afternoon to just hit up the Japanese gardens. The admission is only like $16 and it's just, it's gorgeous. It's, it's fun. It takes about an hour and a half to walk through the whole thing, but I recommend taking about three hours because that's how long we took. And we also went to the tea house, so. Yeah. Yeah, so 10 out of 10 would recommend. Uh, just don't expect to do like cosplay or anything there. They do not allow any kind of like portrait photography or any kind of like people holding up anybody trying to just walk. You literally just go through and just walk peacefully. You even have to have your phone on silent. So yeah, yeah, but it's it's absolutely worth it. It's gorgeous. Hooray. Yeah. And a lot of the volunteers there will teach you a lot about the gardens. We had this uh, elderly Japanese woman just walk up to us and start talking to us about how, like, uh, the Zen garden worked. <laughs> so. All right. That was cool. Yeah. I, I stayed at home and acted like a lazy piece of shit. You did. It must have been a good week for you. <laughs> it was a Candace-free yeah. weekend. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get that very often. I know. <laughs> I was just like, oh, what was the last time you had like a whole week or a whole week basically without me? So. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, that was right, also right after my birthday. So. So now you're an old woman. I'm still younger than you. <laughs> also, I'm non-binary. Never happened. <laughs> you're an old person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely getting up get, there. Get off my lawn, you young whippersnappers. As an anime fan, I'm definitely an old person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I watched anime on VHS. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. You definitely watched <laughs> anime on VHS. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about anime news. Back to the anime news. Uh, so the biggest thing that happened this week was Universal Studios in Japan now has a Demon Slayer ride. Nice. Yeah. That'll, that should be fun. Yeah. I, I imagine. I believe that it is mostly focused on, like, the events from Mugen Train. So okay. Looks pretty cool. That's, that's neat. Yeah. Uh, in other news, To Your Eternity got a second series Second season announcement. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my my thing says second series, so. Oh. I I don't know if it'll be a. Um, like a spinoff. Spinoff or like if it's gonna follow, Fushi or if it's gonna follow another orb that the dude created or something. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. Is there a release date for it? Uh, fall 2022. That's season two. Okay. Okay. Or no, maybe. Yeah, no, that's season two. I'm like, because, yeah, that one's not supposed to, season two's coming out in fall. But okay. from my understanding, uh, this is like a major turning point of the series. And we'll talk more about that next week, I believe. We'll do a turn to your e eventually episode. So, um, that's all I have. Um, that's about all I have. Um,. I don't see it here, but I noticed earlier the creator of Chainsaw Man, uh, just a small little tidbit, uh, he sent out in a tweet he, that he confirmed one of his characters actually owns a strap-on. For whatever reason, apparently this was a thing that the internet needed to know, <laughs> so he confirmed it. Okay. Uh, I believe, also speaking of manga, I believe the creator of Jujutsu Kaisen is officially off hiatus? Yes. Yes. So... Welcome back. So there's that. Yeah. All right. So lots of good things. Lots of things happened in the last two weeks. So 
including the premiere of the anime that we were talking about today. Yeah, we there, a lot of stuff happened. We cannot cover everything. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the anime we're talking about today did debut, I believe, while I was in Oregon. I think so. Yeah, because I believe uh, I was trying to keep up on my uh, anime while I had any downtime out there. And I saw this popped up on my feed, and I was like, oh, shit, I need to watch it. And then I didn't, because I was on vacation, <laughs> and I barely watched... I watched, like, one episode of To Your Eternity and one episode of Slime. That's all I got. Yeah, I, I, I didn't watch anything while you were on vacation. Yeah, so you took a vacation, too. But... I did. Uh, so we knew we were going to cover this anime at some point because Crunchyroll hyped the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. And this is a collaboration between Toonami and Crunchyroll and Studio IG. And Mm -hmm. that is Fena the Pirate Princess. Indeed. So we talked a little bit about this anime before, like, whether or not it was something we were going to check out, uh, different, like date updates from Crunchyroll and Adult Swim. Uh, The neat thing about this series is since it is a collaboration, if you do not like Crunchyroll, you can check it out on Toonami during the Saturday midnight runs. If you do not have cable, you can watch it on Crunchyroll. So (laughs) there's there's multiple ways to watch this anime. I believe Crunchyroll is handling the Japanese and Adult Swim is handling the dub, if I recall correctly. That makes sense. And uh, it was interesting because it kind of did the same thing that, like, um, oh, what was that show called? The the Vikings. Oh, uh, Vinland Saga. Vinland Saga. It kind of did the same thing they did where it dropped, you know, like, three episodes, Vinland Saga did, and Mm -hmm. this one dropped four episodes at at once. Yeah. So... Let's talk about it. This is probably going to be a bit of a short episode because, like, Tyler mentioned we are only four episodes in, so there's still a lot to be desired about this anime. But let's go ahead and start with the plot, which is basically we start immediately with Fena's father's ship being attacked and her being pushed into a lifeboat by a kid who says, just survive, I will find you and save you. Yeah. And her father, the last thing he says to her before he's killed by pirates or whatever was attacking their boat is, find Eden. Yep. Or Eden, however Ed, they pronounce Eden. it. Eden. Eden. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's spelled Eden, but I think because I'm watching it in Japanese, they pronounce it Eden. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and then she obviously doesn't make it to Eden in her rowboat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but she ends up in uh, basically what would be the the anime version of, um, what was it called? Like Barbacoa or whatever? Yeah. Bar- Barboa. Barboa. Yeah the, yeah, the the free city during pirate times. Uh, no, I don't think she ends up there. Because I think that's in a later episode they visit that island. She ends up in like... Oh, she yeah, she ends yeah. up in a in a free city. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's not the same place. But she gets sold into basically prostitution. And they're like, oh, when you come of age, you'll be a whore. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Something my mother told me when I was young. <laughs> When you come of age, <laughs> you'll be a whore. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently she spent her entire childhood coming up with schemes to get out of it. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I would too, to be honest. Yeah, so she, she was raised by prostitutes. And the series, the main story begins with the day that she's supposed to now give herself over to the highest bidder, which is a man who apparently has, like... Zero morals? Yeah. So, yeah. That's kind of where we start off. And in her plan to escape, she's saved by two men who used to serve her father. Can can we talk about her plan to escape for a second? Yeah, we could. <laughs> so, her plan to escape... Is your your very stereotype? Oh, I'm gonna use the bed sheets to jump out of the window. Yeah, like like that kind of bullshit. 
<laughs> Only to find out that, well, she's going up to the top floor instead of the second story. And there's her plans out the window. <laughs> Pun 100% intended. I want to know where she got crayons. For reals, right? Like, all of her plans were, like, written in crayon. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she was young when she got bought, I guess. Were so, crayons a so... thing then, though? Maybe? I don't know. I don't know if they had those kind of pigments back then. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I was kind of a little bit bothered by the whole crayon thing, because I was like, I know that I'm not expecting the highest level of historical accuracy from my anime, but I'm just like, why is she writing over- why, why is this anime trying to sell me on her childhood innocence when she was raised by prostitutes? Like... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she, she has to be innocent. I guess. I guess that was the whole plan. It's a very, very western trope, though. Like, I think that's something that I've noticed a lot with this anime, is that it mixes a lot of, like... Like, Westerners' ideas of anime tropes with a lot of Western media tropes. Yeah. And I know that this is an anime done by Studio IG. It is a Japanese-run anime. The director and everybody in charge is, is Japanese. But it being run by an American company, you could definitely see those Western influences throughout the show. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the first big pickup one for me, was that she... She has this very, very, like, childish personality right off the bat. And I'm like, that's this isn't really your typical anime protagonist. This is your American cartoon protagonist. I mean, she is also still young. Like, she is still young. She's, but what, I think they said 16 or something? Yeah, but think about 16-year-olds in most anime. Uh, I mean, really, all that comes to mind is uh, the Joestar family line, and <laughs> those those boys are ripped at 16. Yeah. Uh, anytime I think of... Like, Yoko Linter is 14. Yeah. yeah. Ages don't really matter in anime, it seems. Yeah, it seems like... And that's what I mean. Like, it's, It feels like a very Western trope with this character because it's very, very common in American media and Western media that teenagers are very much portrayed as children. They are young. They are they are naive. They're childish. Where, okay, but do you remember when you were a teenager? Yeah. Teenagers are stupid, okay? It's true, but... Like, no offense to any teenagers out there, but when you grow up, you're going to look back on your life and you're going to realize... I was a stupid teenager. Well, and that's what I mean. Like, it, it's not so much me comparing them to real-life kids, but I'm like, you watch anime that has, like, 16-year-olds. It's like, both my parents died when I was a child, and now I live in my own apartment and go to high school and have a job and somehow manage to make ends meet, and I cook all my own meals, and I I can drive a car. <laughs> and, and in my free time, I also have to slay demons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, 16-year-olds in, like... Eastern media are all mature as hell. And I'm not talking about like, they're all like sexy or whatever. I'm just talking about like, they, they got their shit together. You know? Yeah. Teenagers in, in anime have their shit together better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it's pretty bad. Whereas like I said, in Western media, teenagers are often depicted as children. They're young. They don't know how to draw. They're <laughs> I'm surprised they know their ABCs at this point. Do you even know how to write? Are you sure you're in high school? Well, you see, that's that is the intent of school <laughs> in the West is you throw all this knowledge at the child and and it just kind of absorbs. But then once they hit 18, all of it just kind of like snaps into place. So, so you don't know anything until you actually become an adult. Ah, uh, yes, the U.S. education system. <laughs> uh, but hey, you know, in public school, at least you know how to learn. You know how to use a gun. <laughs> so anyway, so she's about to be sold off to the highest bidder, and she's rescued by two men that used to be great warriors who served her father. 
mm-hmm. used to being a very key word. And this is another thing that felt like very, very Western trope was that it's like, ah, oh, yes, I was I was a warrior in my youth. I could handle a couple bodyguards, and then he gets his ass handed to him. Yeah, no, seriously, like like Western media is exactly like that. We're just like, oh, I used to be a great warrior, but now and I'm then, old. And get your ass handed to you. Like Eastern media, like a lot of anime is like, oh yeah, I'm an old person, but. I can still kick your ass because... Oh yeah, no, you do not fight I, old men. Because I fucking trained a Super Saiyan, okay? Yeah, you do like... not fight old men in anime. <laughs> old men in anime will kick your ass. Seriously. So yeah, like, th- this again was a very, very westernized take on the anime trope of, like, old men coming into the series very early on, and this time they're almost the butt of the joke, which... I don't mind. I like actually like the two old men, uh, Solomon and they're, Otto. Yeah, yeah, I I do like like them actually. Yeah, they're very likable characters. Uh, I was kind of hoping that they would still have some of their abilities. Like, I'm not expecting them to be like ripped old men from Bleach, but I I was hoping that maybe they still have a few tricks up their sleeves and. Especially, like, a spearman who was able to take an entire army by himself, it really should have been able to handle two guards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So when the old men fail to protect her, she is saved by a group of... I can't tell if they're supposed to be samurai or ninja. They're kind of a fusion of They're both. They're a little bit of both. Um, and the way, like, I guess their, their title is, like, the Goblin Warriors or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah. So that's what they are. They're they're neither a samurai nor ninja. They are goblins. They're they're yeah. They're they're a mixture of both. They're they're non-binary samurai. Uh. So so here. Okay. Here's the deal. I actually theory. Uh. They're Tengu. Okay. Because when they when they like arrive like second episode I think they arrive with their their vanishing island. Yeah, goblin you know, island. Goblin island. That seems very Tengu esque. That makes sense, actually. Okay, so I actually really like all these characters, though. Like, uh, we we meet a few of them right off the bat, and the main one, kind of like the, there's no like leader of their squad, but he's like the main focus that we see throughout the series is Yukimaru, who just so happens to be the boy that saved Fena when she was a child. Yeah. And now he's saving her again as an adult, but we kind of get to again erase that anime trope where they meet and you're thinking like oh they're they're destined to be together they're clearly like the two main characters that are in love with each other but it turns out all of her memories of him are a bit romanticized just because he saved her life wherein his memories of her are less so he just thinks she's that annoying obnoxious girl yeah like like they meet up again and she's just like oh my god i remember you i could never forget those eyes blah blah blah, and she just goes rambling on and he's just like bonk no horny yeah (laughs) he really did do the bonk no horny I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Yeah, he 100% did. And the other character, the girl in their group, also mentions that he also hits her in the head. Yeah. Oh my god, he really is like the police of horny. (laughs) He's policing women from feeling feelings. (laughs) How dare they. Oh. Freaking women and their obsession with hot men. I know. And I will tell you guys right now, it's on okay. everybody's mind. Yuki Maru's hot. Okay, okay, okay. Before I watched everything, and you're like, "Oh, all the guys in this show are hot." I'm I'm sitting here. I'm going, "Okay, I guess I can get into this anime." Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like the first three men that are all show up are like ugly as sin, <laughs> and I'm sitting thinking to myself fuck is Candace talking about? These are hot men? <laughs> no, none, none of the guys from, like, the first island, but the guys that are in the main group, particularly <laughs> yeah. Yukimaru. Yes, once you get past the first island, they are all very attractive. <laughs> Yukimaru's hot, okay? Also, there was a girl in, like, episode four that was, like, absolutely going to sleep with him. 100%. Yeah, and even, like, one of the members of the crew is just like, oh, no, you could totally sleep with her. And he's like, do what? 
Like, God, Yuki Mario, you're such a fucking virgin. <laughs> <laughs> he was even talking to Fena. He's like, yeah, if we if we stay the night, she's going to crawl into Yuki Mura's bed. <laughs> that brings me to my next favorite character, which is Shitan. Shitan's a fucking horn dog. He is. I love him, though. And so far, out of the main crew, he's the one who has had the most backstory aside from Yukimaru. As we learned, the reason why he doesn't use a sword is because he feels inferior to Yukimaru. But at the same time, he wants to protect him, so he chose the bow so he can protect him from a distance. Yeah. Without ever having to compete with him with a sword. Yeah. And I loved that. <laughs> um, one thing that it doesn't make super clear, but it does mention that, like, like one of the, the other characters mentions that Yukimaru is uh, ambidextrous. Yes. So, so, and and it does show he does have a sword on each of his sides of his waist. So, mm-hmm. so that's that's an interesting thing. You don't see that very often. Yeah, like it didn't even occur to me that, like, because I remember them mentioning he was ambidextrous. And I did notice the two swords, but for some reason my brain didn't put those two things together. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh, he's using his swords wrong. <laughs> well, that's clearly because you're used to, like, Tales of Symphonia Lloyd, mm-hmm. where he comes out and he's like, well, I figured, you know, one sword is strong, so if I use two swords, that's twice the strength. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually dual wielding definitely is a bit different from Yukimaru's fighting style, so I'm glad that it's addressed more that just he has a sword for each hand just because he can, as opposed to the idea that he's a dual wielder. Yeah. So, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Shitan is probably my favorite, aside from Yukimaru. Uh, also, can we talk about Yukimaru's luck? Okay, okay. You know what bothered me about Shitan? What? Just a little bit. What? Because like when when he's kind of in, when he's introduced, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Fena, you know, finds the the bow maker. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's like, oh, these are really pretty, blah blah blah, all that stuff. And then he's got like, I don't know, a dozen or so bows. Mm-hmm. You know, and everyone's like, oh yeah, they're really pretty, but only one person can use them. Yeah. Why do you have 12 bows? I didn't think about that, but no, you're right. <laughs> like... He wants one of every color. <laughs> Taste the rainbow. He wants all of them. He's just like, I used this bow three times. I need a new one. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. His feelings about bows are the same as my feelings about Nendroids. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's fair. <laughs> He's a collector. Uh, we also have the only main female other than Fena, which is, uh, Karin. Yeah. I, her name is spelled Karen and it bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's great. Uh, I relate to her on a very deep level. I, I do like her. I like that because she uses, uh, rifles. She's a tinkerer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's... Crazy. Okay. Okay. Here's here's the thing about her though is like she they they kind of hoist her up as like the inventor for Tengu Island here. Yeah. You know, but like it is very much like her inventions are very much uh, like eighties style comic books. Yeah. Where where everything new and fancy and technologically advanced is like, oh yeah, this was made with transistor technology. Yeah. You know, whereas with her, it's like, oh yeah, this was made with springs. Yeah. (laughs) She's a steampunk nerd. Uh, She's definitely, I feel like when they wrote her character, the idea that they were going with was that she's supposed to be an artificer. Because that, that's kind of the vibe I get from her. Like, it feels yeah, like... Yeah, like, she makes a, a lot of different stuff. Like, she makes yeah. a Zippo lighter. She makes a <laughs> submarine, literally. Yeah. Uh, Obviously her guns. But yeah, she... It feels like they created this group with kind of the idea of, like, Japanese Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> kind so, of, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so to me, she she's supposed to be the artificer of the group. The reason I really like her, though, is because uh, when they're all trying to figure out how to train Fena on how to use weapons. 
they get to her and she's just like, you can't just learn how to shoot a gun. You need to know everything about that. You need to know the history. You need to know how they're put together. You need to know how to build it. You need to know how to clean it. You need to know how to do this. And that's before you're even allowed to hold it. Okay. And I'm like, God, that's me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know shit about guns, but that's literally me with anything I'm obsessed with. I'm like, you can't just go into this. Are you crazy? What, what do you expect to just be able to pick it up and like right. use it? And then later when uh, she actually does decide to teach her, she's like, okay, you shoot that one more time and I will actually kill you. <laughs> no, it, was, it was you shoot that one more time without me telling you to yeah. because Fena like accidentally pulled the trigger. Yeah. <laughs> Never leave your fingers on the trigger. Yes. Uh, trigger, finger, trigger discipline is a thing. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, she's right. And that it takes a lot of, like, learning about guns before you can actually shoot a gun. Yeah. But, yeah, so I, I do like her a lot. I also like that, like, at first she's just, like, connecting with Fena. Just like, oh, yeah, Yukimaru's a dick. He hits me in the head, too. And the two of them become friends. And then later when Fena's like, oh, we're friends, aren't we? She's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> who decided this? We're not friends. <laughs> just because we're the only two girls on the ship. Get out of my face. So, and then we have the twins. I actually love the twins, okay? <laughs> Enju and uh, they're, Kaide. They're, they're so bad, but I don't know. They're they're lovable, okay? Yeah. I do like that Fena keeps mixing up their names, and they always just correct her without making, like, a big scene about it. Yeah. Like, she's just like, uh, Kaide's like, I'm Enju. <laughs> yeah. So, I do like the twins. Uh, they are a bit childish. They both kind of remind me of, like, if Aang had a twin brother. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're, they're both... I think their childishness works in this case, though. Which is what makes them likable. Like, I don't really like Fennish childishness. Because I feel like they just wrote as, like, oh, she's supposed to be innocent. But their childishness works. Because they... If this is a D&D &D party, they're the monks. Yeah, they 100% are. Um, and you can kind of tell, too, like, uh, like the opening has them wielding, like, you know, like spear-type weapons. Yeah. You know, and then, like, in the, the scene where you see them fight, they're fighting with swords. So, you know, they, they clearly know multiple different weapons very well. Yeah. So, uh, they're also, uh, Shitan also recommends that they teach Fena how to use swords, and they're just like, no. <laughs> yeah. So then moving on from the twins, we have uh, Subaki, who is, he's basically like the calm one. He's, he's the tranquil one. He's, he's the, uh, the big guy that ate all the rice balls that yeah. the twins were throwing, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we haven't really learned a whole lot about him. So he uses a short sword, though. So. That's interesting. No, wait, I'm mixing him up with somebody else. Tsubaki is the cook. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, uh, okay. Makaba is the big guy. Okay. Yeah, I mixed them up. I apologize. Okay. So Tsubaki, he uses a short sword. Uh, he is the wild one who's really, really good at cooking, and he will not let Shitan into the kitchen because Shitan doesn't know shit about food. <laughs> he also gets mad at the twins yeah. when they're throwing the rice balls. At Makaba. And, and Makaba is catching them in his mouth. Yeah. Uh, Makaba uses brass knuckles when he fights. Ooh. So, yeah. I actually want to see that now, okay? Yeah. That sounds cool. Uh, Tsubaki, I actually really do like, though. He is absolutely the team mom. 100%. So I, I imagine he was probably the team, like, the captain prior to Fena, because now they're hinting at the idea that Fena's supposed to be the captain. Yeah. So they they are kind of this weird ragtag D&D pirate Japanese group. So. But yeah, so those are the characters that we've met thus far. Uh, I really do want to know more about Makaba, because like I said, I we haven't really seen him do a lot. And the reason why they're all sailing as pirates is because, one, they rescued Fena, but two, apparently her father's dying wish was that they find the source of a stone that he gave to uh, Yukimaru to protect with his life. Yeah. And apparently Fena's the only person who knows what 
the deal with that stone is, but she doesn't really remember a lot because she's kind of blocked out a lot of that stuff from her memory because she was pretty traumatized. Uh, yeah, I, I would be too. So they're trying to find Eden. Mm-hmm. And all they have to go off of is a really shiny rock. Uh, yeah. Okay, um, it's a block of glass. Mm-hmm. At least that's what it looks like. And it's very clearly smartphone-sized. <laughs> <laughs> it's a smartphone! <laughs> it literally, I, that's, yes, <laughs> theory. <laughs> So, yeah. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about, like, is this anime good? <laughs> um, it's okay. Like, I don't have anything that I'm really like, okay, this is clearly, like, mm-hmm. a turnoff. But there's also not, like, I haven't really come across anything that I'm just... Man, this is fantastic. Everyone should check this out. Yeah, that's kind of the position I'm in. Um, There are certain elements that I feel like have a lot of potential, but I'm also just kind of worried about the direction it's going. Because like I said, this it feels like there's a lot of tropes in it that are just kind of like what Americans assume are anime tropes. But I feel like it's almost like taking an approach... From almost an outsider looking at anime tropes as opposed to what are actual genuine elements of anime. And so for me this feels like a very, very westernized piece of media, which is not necessarily a bad thing because we've had things like the Dragon Prince and Avatar the Last Airbender and Korra and all of those, which... I mean, even like She-Ra or even things like Steven Universe all have that element to them and all of them are good in their own terms. And this is made by a Japanese studio with a Japanese director and writer, so it, it does it is a bit more anime than those things. But it just I'm not quite sure because it doesn't feel like it's as good as any of those things either. At least not yet. Yeah. But there's a like lot it, of potential. It, it still has a lot of potential. That being said, it also still has a lot of room to fail. Yeah. And there's certain things where I just feel like they only happen to keep the plot moving as opposed to actually having a lot of, like, meaning writing-wise. Like, so the first island that they visit is basically just for them to, like, resupply their ship. Yeah, resupply, and and they decide to go shopping. Yeah. And aside from resupply, there doesn't seem to be a lot of reason why they went to this island. It makes me question why they left Goblin Island as quickly as they did if they needed to immediately hit a resupply area. Or if their plan was to hit the resupply area and then go back to Goblin Island to regroup. They didn't really seem to have a plan. Uh, I'm gonna say it was, uh, magical anime time skip power. Maybe, but, like... Because, because... And, but and, they were just sailing aimlessly then. Okay, okay, my reasoning for this, though, is, like, they left Goblin Island. Mm-hmm. There's there's gonna be some time for them to reach the next island, obviously, or for them to need to resupply. It couldn't have been that long, though, because her hair's still the same length as it was when she chopped it off. And her hair is supposed to be like a guide of the timeline, just based off the OP. She continually cuts her hair. I, I, don't, I, I don't, don't know. I don't think that's true. I think her hair is supposed to give us, like, as the audience, kind of an idea of how much time has passed. Okay, but at the same time, like, uh, they basically say, hey, go to, uh, where was it? Like, some, some city in, like, uh, it's like a Dutch city. Like Germany, yeah. Germany, yeah. But her hair's gone a little bit to, longer to since To check then. out the thing. And, and there's, like, there's no adventure between, hey, be, you know, go to this city and, bam, we're at this city. But her hair's gotten longer. That's why I'm saying I think her hair's supposed to be the guide for the audience to know how much time has passed. Because she chopped it off at the very beginning of the journey, and it's slowly getting longer. Okay. That's that's my reasoning for the whole hair. Because her cutting her hair off didn't make any sense. They're just like, you need to find the answers to Eden. And then she's okay, sitting there, she's okay. like, I cut that's, my hair. That, that, okay, there's, there's, there's the one thing that bothers me about this. Every In every anime, the female has their character development mm-hmm. by cutting their hair. 
Yeah, and like I said- Fucking happened in Naruto. <laughs> you know, like, come on. Like, cutting your hair is not a measure of you advancing your character. Well, and that's what I mean. It feels like a very Western idea of what anime tropes are, as opposed to them actually being genuine elements of anime writing. So her hair being cut off made no sense, because there was no reason behind it, other than she's just like, I figured it out. I cut my hair off. <laughs> okay. Epiphany! <laughs> yeah. And I get her hair is supposed to be relevant because it's like how people recognize her, like the island that she was on, which is like, oh, she's like the white-haired mystery girl, whatever. But like, she still has white hair. <laughs> like, yeah. she didn't dye her hair. Like, So yeah, like it, it feels like it was just kind of a dumb trope thing, but I think it really is the unit of measurement so the audience knows how much time has passed between island to island. But that brings me to my point. Why, like, other than resupplying, there was no reason for them to leave Goblin Island because they didn't have a plan. Also, it seems like Goblin Island in and of itself is mobile. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just kind of appears out of nowhere. Like, why can't you just hang out on Goblin Island that's full of these powerful warriors Yeah. and, and go where you need to? Yeah, she was like, we need to find Eden. And they're like, okay, I guess you're leaving Goblin Island. And it's like... You guys didn't, like, look at a map or think, like, where would be the most likely place that we should go to if we're going to leave Goblin who, Island? Who is the navigator? Is it Yukimura? Please, <laughs> yeah. someone tell us. So they're like, we're going to this island because it's a free island and we could resupply. And it's like, okay, what's your plan after the resupply? They literally never talk about it. They're And they treat the whole resupply run as a, like, field trip. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to our favorite farmer's market. Oh, my God, look at all this cool stuff. And Yukimura has to stay on the ship because he has shit luck. <laughs> He's literally never set foot on this island before. <laughs> Yukimura never gets to go on the island because he's an idiot and makes his ladder game. And every time he loses. I will say that was one of the funniest parts of the whole show, though, was, was the ladder game. That was great. Especially him explaining to the dog the odds of him losing this ladder game every single time. And he's like, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Yukimura is such a likable character. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing, like, the only reason why the supply run was even useful is because she just happens to pass by a shop that just so happens to have a stone that looks exactly like the one they already have, and the shopkeeper is able to tell them where the stone originated from, which gives them their next clue on where to go. But they, before, like, if none of that had happened, where, what were they going to do? Were they going to go just back to Goblin Island? No, they were going to go to Eden. But they don't know where Eden is. They were going to wander aimlessly until they found Eden. Yes, yeah, so they were going to die at sea. <laughs> that was their plan. Uh -huh. yeah. Like, literally, they never talk about what their plan was other than we just happened to find the stone that tells us exactly where we're supposed to go. Yeah... So, yeah, like, that's my biggest issue, is, like, there was no reason for them to leave Goblin Island without a plan. And they clearly didn't have a plan. Okay. That's my issue. That's yeah, my biggest I, plot hole I, issue of this I show. I get it. They could have just stayed there. Even if Goblin Island's not mobile, even if it's a stationary island, which it might be. It might just be, like, ooh, magic mist, but, uh... <laughs> magic mist. But, yeah, like... <laughs> They literally didn't There's, have a plan. It's a new D&D &D spell. Magic mistle. <laughs> they literally had no plan. It bothers me. It's a major plot hole. And again, it just fits into, like, Americans writing anime tropes as opposed to Americans writing real comprehensible good stories. Yeah. And that's my issue with the series. And that's why I'm worried about the series going from this point forward. Because I'm like, the characters are all very, very likable. A bit tropey, but very likable. So far, the story hasn't done anything for me. And the story doesn't really have any major aim or goals at this point, other than, let's make Fena childish and likable. And so, so the story at this point, honestly, to me, feels like a mix of Pirates of the Caribbean and, like, uh, I don't think you've seen it, Nadia. I've seen Nadia. You have yeah. seen Nadia? Yeah. Yeah, it, it feels like that. It's like, oh, you know, ship's attacked, girl gets, you know, saved in a rowboat, mm -hmm. sent off, 
then there's a jailbreak, and that's like the the Pirates of the Caribbean part. Yeah. Yo, know, and then like the Nadia part is like, oh, there's a mysterious item. The girl needs to figure out the story behind it. Yeah. She's gonna go on a ship, and and you know with with mystical powers because you know it's a submarine, and no one knows what a submarine is. Like <laughs> that, you know, like yeah. that kind of bullshit. And so at this point, honestly, I give it a good 70% chance that this girl's going to turn out to be, like, Atlantean or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, this is very real, too, because in the OP, we see that, like, there's a lot of underwater imagery in the OP as well. So it's very, very possible that, yeah, she's like a mermaid or something. Yeah. So... Yeah, so uh, right now, and I get everybody's going to be listening to us talk about this, like, we're only four episodes in. And it's like, okay, but four episodes is enough that we should understand where the plot is going. And right now, it's just kind of like, jump from place to place and hope that we get answers. You know, they they don't have a plan. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know where Eden is. There's really no reason for them to be aimlessly sailing, because anybody who knows anything about sailing knows you don't fucking do that. That's rule one of sailing, is you you need to know where you're going. Why not? It worked for Magellan. Just go east. <laughs> You'll figure your shit out. E- even the straw hats kind of <laughs> know where they're going, okay? Okay, but the straw hats are literally limited to the zone around the equator. Like, they can't go north or south. They're, <laughs> they can go east and west. Yeah, but even they're kind of like, hey, there's an island. We kind of know where we're going. They don't know what their final destination is because nobody does. Their final destination is wherever the hell the One Piece is. Their final destination is the friends they made along the way. <laughs> but they're kind of just like, at least like, hey, we should look at the damn map and figure out where we're going next, you know? Yeah, so, that's, that's fair. Also, my other major issue is that Yukimura gets really, really, really mad because he's like... You shouldn't be going off on your own or doing anything like that because you you put everybody at da- or in danger. And I'm like, dude, you know she's being hunted. You know she's being hunted. She wasn't the one who ran off. The twins dragged her off. Also, finally, like, if she, they hadn't dragged her off, she wouldn't have found that stone. Like, she's doing what you guys are supposed to be doing. You guys were literally treating this whole island like it was a field trip where you guys just gonna go shopping and eat good food. But she was actually exploring and, and doing what she was supposed to do. And in the case of Sheeton, get laid. Trying to get laid, yeah. <laughs> he wanted his dessert before dinner. <laughs> I I guess I can't blame him. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> He's very pretty, alright? Go get some, man. <laughs> get yours. But yeah, so it's like she she was doing fine. Like she didn't do anything wrong. It's not like it, it's not like she intentionally put anybody in danger. Like I don't even think what the twins did was necessarily wrong. I just think they were actually exploring the island and trying to find answers. It kind of sucks that the rest of the group wasn't on board with that. Well, my take on that was them, um, like, the twins were trying to be smart about it. Yeah. Was, Was the twins were more of a, like, oh, hey, wait a second. Everyone's staring at this girl with white hair. Let's go clothes shopping! Yeah, you like, know, like, like, let's get you a disguise, girl. Like, yeah, like, everybody's like, oh, the twins and Fena absolutely screwed up. And I'm like, they didn't, though. They actually did their job. Like, the three of them were the only ones doing their jobs. Like, they were exploring the island. They were getting her a disguise. They were trying to find clues or answers. They were, they were actually doing what they were supposed to be doing. The whole point of that, like, sailing aimlessly is that they're supposed to be trying to figure out where Eden is. You're not going to figure out where Eden is at a fucking farmer's market. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to ask where Eden is at the <laughs> farmer's market. Sorry, Podcat is being stupidly cute right now. He's adorable. <laughs> but yeah, so like, you, I get Yukimaru was frustrated because he just got shot. I'd be frustrated too. And she almost got killed. And he's like, you you need to be protected. You need to not run off. Like, it's frustrating because people could have got hurt. People could have got killed. You need to stop being a child. But at the same time, it's like, dude, you're being way too fucking harsh on her because she's actually doing what she's supposed to be doing. Like, I get you were stuck on the boat and you couldn't do anything about that. But, like, 
Man, like, he was just way too mean. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like this is just conflict for the sake of conflict as opposed to actual, like, genuine conflict. It could have just been like, oh, thank goodness you're safe. Make sure you're keeping an eye out because you're probably going to continue to be hunted and we'll work harder to make sure that you're more protected. As opposed to, like, him just being an asshole to her. Like, I don't know. I guess that's a character flaw of his. Uh, well, it seems like he he at least likes her. Yeah. You know, like, there's there's obviously the romance part of it. Because, like, she, yeah. she t- goes to grab his hand because he's bleeding. And he, you know, pulls away. And, and he's like, blushing. And it, he's blushing. Like, he obviously has feelings for her. Yeah. You know, he's he's overprotective is well, what it I, is. Well, I feel like at least the twins should have defended her. You know, because, like, I'm like, I don't know why the whole crew was acting like the three of them were in the wrong. Yeah. When they weren't. I think Yukimaro was overreacting and the whole crew took his side. And that bothers me. Yeah. So, and I think the writers are trying to push the idea that Yukimaro is in the right here. And I'm like, he's not in the right. So, that's my two cents. Uh, he's the more likable character of the two of them. But Fena was the one in the right. Fena and the twins were in the right. Come on. Yeah. I'm right about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's my thoughts on the show right now. Like I said, I don't, I don't think it's like anything like, ugh, ugh, I can't believe Crunchyroll overhyped this. Maybe a fucking Western media, but no, I, I do think there is a lot of potential for this show. All of the characters are extremely likable. Knowing that it's Studio IG, the animation is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's such a gorgeous series. Uh, you can definitely tell there are shortcuts that were taken from time to time. Again, uh, if any of you guys have ever seen like. Ruby, uh, like Ruby Volume One, had a lot of like animation shortcuts, and they wrote it off as like, "Oh, silly anime bullshit." But <laughs> and this show does do that from time to time, where instead of actually animating something, they just play it off as like, "Anime doesn't need to be animated." That's silly. <sighs> look, look at this. These goblin warriors just disappearing like ninjas. Yeah. In particular, when they threw them off the boat, and instead of actually animating them getting thrown off the boat, they just literally took like an image and they just like clipped it and like (laughs) it's so awful looking it's not even like funny it's just awful looking (laughs) (laughs) and like i get they're trying to be like haha silly anime bullshit but yeah it's it it just feels stupid in my opinion yeah and it looks gross and i'm like don't ever do that kind of shit i hate it but yeah, so it, it is a little disappointing that Studio IG is approving some of these things. But the things they are doing right, they are doing absolutely right. And I feel like that's probably the case with the writing as well. Uh, I mean, you, you gotta cut corners so you can save some money for that sweet, sweet Sakuga. Well, so far... Which I'm sure is going to come up. <laughs> I was gonna say, we haven't gotten any yet. We've had some really pretty scenes, but we haven't had anything I consider Sakuga quite yet. So this really could go either way. This could just be a really pretty flop, or this could be something that could open doors for more projects in the future. And honestly, like, I've seen even things that are just not that great that do open those kind of doors, open the doors for things that are great. Things like... A lot of Netflix original anime eventually leading to things like Devilman Crybaby. You know, when when studios and companies take an interest in this sort of thing and they see a market value in it, we get to see creatives do things that they want to do. And that ultimately is worth watching a mediocre series. Yeah. Um... Uh, I will I will kind of compare it to uh, what's it called remake our life that's airing this season mm-hmm. um, they have an episode that's that's basically the main characters like oh let's let's make this this uh, project we're working on marketable yeah you know rather than let's let's make this project our love child yeah exactly um so it's like well while it may be marketable it it doesn't show as much love as you know something else does like say avatar the last airbender yeah you know yeah so i do i do think that there there is value in this series even if it ends up not being a great series because the idea the crunchy roll did give adult swim 
the opportunity to create their own series is also the reason Adult Swim now has Uzumaki coming out next year. I don't think I've heard anything about that. Uh, you haven't seen the trailer for it yet? I don't think I have. Oh, I might have, but it's just not coming to me. It looks so good. Like, this is Junji Ito done right. And you could even argue that the Junji Ito anime that came out, like, two years ago opened the doors for a proper Junji Ito adaptation God, in the that future. was two years ago? Yeah, it was uh, 2019, I believe. I don't believe it. It was either 2018 or 2019. I'm pretty sure it was 2019, though. Because I, I think we started this podcast in I, 2018. I don't, I don't believe it. I, yeah. I think you're full of shit. It was not 2020. I guarantee you that. It, uh, okay. So, yeah. It was, I'm pretty sure it was 2019. But All right. 20, 2020 fucked my sense of time. Yeah, time doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> time doesn't exist. <laughs> but, yeah. So, that's my final thoughts. I, I don't think this series is garbage by any standards. I, I do think it's a bit... I, it could be good. It, it could be up there with, like, I'm, She-Ra. I, and... I am hoping it gets better. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping it just finds its direction. I can even forgive some of the, like, writing flaws and tropiness and silliness and two-dimensional character writing. I can forgive all that if it finds its direction. Just find your direction and lead us in that direction and make it worth our while... I think this will still stand out as silver medal series. My fear is, like I said, it's going to be a really pretty turd. <laughs> so it's too early to tell. I mean, if, if there's anything we learned from Mythbusters, it's that you can polish a turd. Yeah. So it's still too early to tell. Like I said, the first four episodes, we don't really quite have the plot down quite yet. And we're not really sure what their aim is, as clearly they're just sailing for no fucking reason. Yeah. But the characters are all likable. The men are hot. I, I'll i watch a few more episodes of it. <laughs> yeah, I will too. Um, so, in, in the meantime, I guess, uh, next stop France for the crew. Yeah, because <laughs> the whole Joan of Arc thing. Yeah. So, and it seems like she's unlocking a little bit more of her memories. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully this series picks up in a good way yeah so yeah that's our final thoughts on it uh we knew we were going to have to talk about this show regardless because crunchyroll did decide to hype the hell out of it and we do get more adult swim originals coming out including junji ito which i'm very excited about yeah so yee. that there uh, we have it we're gonna go ahead and wrap up for the night yes thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening guys, guys. bye bye